Welcome to Coffee Is Dot Me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee guys. Welcome to Coffees.me podcast. I hope you had amazing time despite of the whole election hoo-ha. Everybody is chill, everybody is calm, everything is okay. And let's go back to coffee because that's what really counts, right? Having awesome coffee, producing awesome coffee, starting awesome coffee businesses, at least on this podcast. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Valerian Rala. And today I have an amazing guest. It's Michal Molchan uh, from Standard Magazine. If you don't know what Standard Magazine is, you should definitely check it out because I think it's the coolest magazine about coffee on planet Earth. Oh gosh, I hope I didn't offend anyone else. I mean, all coffee magazines are awesome, but Rose Magazine, obviously I'm a roaster, I love it. And Michal's Magazine is just beautiful. It's just, just such an amazing thing to hold in hands and I think you know, it can be inspiration for all of us. In this podcast, I asked Michal, how did he do it? How did he took a magazine and made it so successful just in one and a half years? It, it's truly fascinating and you will learn a lot how he thinks and maybe you can implement it into your business. I really loved his opinion about branding. So make sure you listen very carefully when I ask him what's more important, the quality of coffee or the branding of the company. But before we start, last week I asked you guys to donate to support the podcast. The donation link on coffees.me website is still there, so if you feel uh, so, please feel free to donate. It will help me to offset the cost of producing this podcast. And some of you did, and that's awesome. I really want to thank you, Jills from Hong Kong, and Mahmoud from Ontario, Canada for supporting this podcast. It's not all about money. It's a lot about the fact that this podcast is really worth something for you guys. So thank you. And uh, I'm so glad that you enjoyed this podcast. If you need any help, drop me a message in uh, Facebook and I'm happy you know, to have private chat with you guys if you need some help. That would be kind of a small thank you from my side to you. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It really made my day. Okay, before we start, there's one more announcement. You know, guys, I mentioned this many times in my podcast that when I moved to the United States in 2010, I really, really wanted to work with coffee, but I could not really find a job. I applied to different companies. You know, I sent out my resume and tried everything in my powers to uh, get my foot in to the specialty coffee industry. And for a long time, I couldn't find anything. So at that time, I would give gold for info what I have for you now. Today, I had a meeting with my uh, good buddy, Marcus Young from Boot Coffee. And he told me that they are looking for a lab and training assistant. So if you are from the San Francisco Bay Area and you like to work with coffee, there's a job waiting for you. The guys at Bootcamp Campus, which is an amazing lab and training center here in San Rafael, California, are looking for an assistant to help them with the roasting, barista, and tasting training courses. It's a perfect fit for a coffee professional who is looking for the next step in their career. At this point, it's a part-time lab position, but you know, you never know where you can grow from that, right? I really believe if you're in San Francisco Bay Area, this is an amazing opportunity for you to grow. And man, the coffee skills you can learn there is just amazing. It's just worth for that. I started to work for Boot for free just to soak up the knowledge. So, so if you are interested, drop an email to uh, my buddy Marcus at marcus at bootcoffee.com. And if you don't know how to spell some of these things, I'll put it in the show notes. So just go to coffeeis.me. Search for this podcast and there it will, the information will be there. Uh, use a subject line, lab assistant application, so he can screen the most important email, which will come from you. 
Now it's time for Michal to shine. Michal from Standard Mag. I have amazing guests today on this podcast, guys. This is really, really awesome. It's Michal Molchan from the Standard Magazine. Welcome, Michal. Hey, thanks for having me. And it's not only because you're doing this amazing magazine, but uh, you are a coffee buddy from Slovakia, and I'm coming from Slovakia, so we are countrymen, right? Well, beautiful country, beautiful people. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's a special Slovak edition, and if you guys will not behave, we will do it in Slovak, so you will not understand a word. <laughs> all right, I think that we owe the Slovak community a big shout-out. Hey, guys, uh, Czechoslovak community, right? We should, we should do a big shout-out to the Czechoslovak community here. <laughs> yeah, they, they deserve that. Yeah, and Gvilim, you are counted in as a Czechoslovak community. <laughs> he's listening yeah, he's sometimes, a, you know. He's a, he's, a, he's a proper Czech already. Yeah, I heard that he likes the Czech beer and he likes the Czech food. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place to to live in. That part of the world, that's for sure. Yeah, I heard a podcast with him on uh Caffeine Marks uh podcast. He's a podcaster from Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. he was saying that how he enjoys Czech Republic, why he lives there. So, I'm not going to get into that, but if you guys are interested, ch- check out uh Caffeine Marks podcast and interview with William Davis. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, good idea. Okay, perfect. So I know you, you know, but I'm not sure if uh, our uh, listeners know you. They probably know the standard mag, but they don't know who is behind that. So Michal, tell us right. what is your coffee story and how did you start with coffee? That's a. I, I have to say that I almost always answer this question differently because I always remember some some different parts of of the story. But I would say the uh, the relationship to coffee actually didn't start with coffee it started with tea because I, I started to drink I don't know how to like if you call it like a specialty tea or like it, I started to drink good green tea and oolong tea when I was really really young when I was like 10 12 year old nice that was I was I was training uh, martial arts in that part of my life because I was I was training karate from early age of age of five so I had a very strong relationship to uh, to Asian countries and to, to appreciation to uh, ceremonies and uh, the kind of stuff, mainly in, in like relation to tea. And uh, yeah, like when I when I got older and when I needed to go to school and the, the school was getting more difficult, I obviously I needed with caffeine in my life, so I started to drink some really bad instant coffees with milk. But I still have this good relationship to. Uh, like to the way of preparing tea, and I discovered that actually a very similar similar way of preparing coffee exists, very similar to the Japanese or Chinese tea ceremonies. So I just started to digging into that. I met some some cool people in Prague and all over the place, and I and I realized that coffee actually can taste as something, and it's, it's not a it's not a bitter solution that wakes you up in the morning and that you need to put just tons of sugar and milk in it. So when I when I made when I had my first sip of specialty coffee, I think it was in I'm not sure if it was in Slovakia or in Czech Republic. But anyway, like I really remember the first sip of specialty coffee espresso and it just it just blew my mind. Okay, so yeah. you, you tasted this amazing coffee and it, it it's basically a, a great insight that a lot of us are in it for the ceremony. I love the whole ceremony around coffee, although I was not really yep. a real tea guy before, although I had a tea yep. shop, which is weird, but anyhow. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. But, you know, enjoying coffee is one thing, and then you decided to work with coffee. So why? Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Well, it, it might sound like a cliche, but it was because of the people like you that all these strong personalities in, in coffee I've seen around at that time. Just the community seemed very, very tightly, like the relationship within the community seemed very help, like healthy to me. And I really liked the people, the people working in coffee, the baristas, the, the roasters, like whoever that was working in specialty coffee. Like it was a very, very similar mindset, very similar kinds of people. So that I, I just... I just have this gut feeling that I really want to be a part of this community and to 
to be a part of it at, in any form. I was still figuring out what what form would be would be the best, but I but I knew for sure that this these people are definitely the ones that I'd like to work with at some point. Yeah, I remember you visited me a few years ago here in California, and uh, oh, that was great. Oh, that was pretty awesome. We went and tasted some great. wine. That was sweet. Uh, oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. Uh, I remember at that time you had something that you said you want to work with coffee, but you did not know what. And yeah. my first kind of like gut feeling was, oh, he's going to open another cafe. Oh, he's probably going to open another roaster or something like that. But when I asked you that, he said, no, no, it's probably not that, which is very weird because most of the people who say, oh, I want to be in a coffee okay. industry, the first thing they go like, oh, I want to be a barista. I want to be a roaster. I want to be, you know, I have want to own a cafe. So... Uh, what did yeah. you have then in mind which you did not share with me? It was, hmm, it was probably, I think it was the time just before, just before released the magazine. So it was, I guess, two years ago in September, two thousand fourteen. We we've been to uh, been to San Francisco, and like, of course, everyone, like all the people involved in the in the whole chain of specialty coffee or in coffee in general are equally important, the baristas, the roasters, everyone has its role. So I knew from the beginning that I didn't have that much experiences in working with coffee in shops, although I really enjoyed visiting good coffee places. And I really, I still love the product, I love the community. But I wasn't sure if, if being a barista or roasting coffee would be the, the right fit for me. So I was still figuring out like what to do, and since that was that was the time, a couple of months before before we met in San Francisco, we just uh, I started to discover the like the whole field of high quality print magazines, like in terms of like, regards to uh, technology, to fashion, to traveling lifestyle, and there was a whole bunch of great, highly curated, well thought publications and different niche and not niche topics but I still kind of miss this this kind of magazine and especially coffee that was that was about the community but executed as a product with the equally same standards to like for, for, for the product like good paper good design meaningful content so I just thought that well could be a cool thing to do I guess and man you hit the nail on its head because I have to say, when I saw first time, when I heard the first time it was standard, I went like, oh, okay, another magazine. And you started in Slovakia, right? So it was in another Slovak yep. magazine. And, you know, there were some yep. great Slovak magazines like Bar Mag. I used to write for them, and it's very nice, right. nice That's publication, true. That's true. very nice. That's beautiful. Yep. Yes. And there are some other publications which are not that nice, but they are kind of industry relevant, and they're full of ads mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, oh, there's another one like this. Then I saw it, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is crazy. So I was so impressed. And I, my first reaction was like, why do it in Slovak? Why don't you do it in English? So why did you start in Slovak? Well, actually, what, what, at the time when we released the first English magazine, we we already had the English version almost prepared. And so you mean Slovak magazine, right? Yeah, like when we when we released the first Slovak issue, the, the Czech and Slovak because the languages are combined, we already had the English one prepared because there was there was the point from the beginning to do the international publication. But it was, to be honest, it was much more safe for us to begin with the market we already knew and with the people, with the friends we already had. So it was a bit more. We were trying to be more careful because we, I did when I, when I started the company, I I didn't want to get any loans. I didn't want to borrow money from, from the family, from investors, from whoever. So I just I just had some capital to invest for like to print first one thousand of magazines and as soon as we sold the first one thousand magazines we were able to print another thousand magazines, etc. etc. But still it was much more easy to for us to start with the with the Czech and Slovak version and to see what's what's good and what we can improve. And two months, two months after that, we had the we had the launch party for for the English one. But it was it was the idea from the beginning to to start like, to, to 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 do an international publication. So 
but we kept we kept doing the the Czech and Slovak version still like we are doing that all the time as soon as the new issue comes out there was always a Czech and Slovak version available for for a local market which is like business wise it's not the main thing for us especially like but the obviously we can't sell as many Czech Slovak Czech or Slovak magazines as we sell in English but uh, I think it's it's a good thing for the community in the long run. So I'm really happy to, to do that. Yeah, funny way you got uh, criticized for uh, starting the English issue. I remember <laughs> that. And I was oh, like, God. you had no clue. Like, I, 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 you know, I have Green Plantation in Slovakia, and I know if I would have it anywhere else uh, with the same size, with the same brand recognition as we are in Slovakia now, we would mm-hmm. be rich. Not, not rich, but we would do very well, you know. Yep, so gotcha. like it's a very small market. It's five million people. It's like you know a tiny part of Bay Area where I live now. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's totally understandable that you, if you want to make a living doing this amazing magazine, you have to go abroad. You know, but so that coffee I, community is very strict. So, well, yeah, so. I think we already discussed this. So <laughs> it's a, it's a very, that's a, that's a, that that can be a topic for a one whole podcast. Yeah. The different coffee communities in Europe. We can do that uh, for the Slovak audience <laughs> on should, my Slovak yeah. podcast, which does not <laughs> exist should. anymore too much. But yeah, it's uh, anyhow. It yeah, just... they, they won't. They, they won't let us go back to the country after that. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay, let's. Move I'm on. already not too much wanted, but that's okay. You know, it's you know one thing that I learned from you, man, and I have to thank you for that is. Uh, you know, I used to be very vocal on the Slovak social media about coffee and, you know, to protect our kind of like uh, vision, right? The third wave, the light rose mm-hmm. when we started. And I was very mm-hmm. loud about that. But what I learned from you is uh, do not care what other people think about you. Uh, follow what you are, you want to do yep. and just focus on that, your full energy. Because if you don't do that, you're taking away your energy from the most important stuff, and that's your mission. That's your thing. What you wanna do, right? Yep, I agree. Like, so when I saw how sure. you react to the criticism on the social media with a smile, with a kind of very polite comments, I was like, man, I have to learn this skill. You know, I was this little grouch, and I was like, no, he's right. I mean, this because you know, other thing is like in in our case, in Green Plantation case, we take away our energy from the customers who really you know, our believers, because we're focusing on people mm-hmm. we cannot convince. So, you know, yeah, that's a good strategy for everyone, I guess. No, like it's, I just wanted to say that it's, it depends on the, the field you're, you're working in. It could be specialty coffee. It could be anything else. I think in today's world, when you have social media, when you have open markets, almost anywhere on the planet, it's when you, when you do your product in an honest way, and when you're honest, especially to yourself, it's it's not that hard to to find like-minded people that will understand what you do. But when you're not when you're not open to like to the whole world, and you're just focusing on some on a small community that you're trying to uh, trying to teach or change, and they don't want to accept it, you just come to a point naturally when you just have to say to yourself like. If it really makes sense to try to change someone who doesn't want to be changed, so like I think the most important thing is like what you can do is to do to like to get your shit done, do it as best as you can, and like the people and the profit and everything else will follow. Like, the product, the service, it has to be the first. Amen, for sure. You know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. I- I, I totally do because that's my always my approach that you know I try to kind of do something awesome and I know that profits will follow. If I don't if, yep. if I try to do something awesome and it doesn't work, it sometimes happens. Probably it's not that awesome and mm-hmm. I kind of like just leave it alone because you know not everything is awesome. But uh Exactly. Yeah, so Exactly. Sometimes I think something is awesome. It's not, you know. And sometimes I do something and people think it's awesome. Like this podcast. This podcast is supposed to be three episodes, and now we are into thirty-six. You know, so it's uh, wow. That's that's amazing. For me, yeah. it is amazing because 
I have very limited time. And the fact that I find my time, I said, no, I want to do this podcast. I want to talk to Michal Molchan. I want to talk to William. I want to talk to, you know, anybody who was on this podcast because I'm just curious, you know, what is the yep. thought process? That's pretty awesome for me. But I wasn't sure that people will listen to this because obviously I have an accent. I have my own kind of agenda here because I want to know things what I want to know, you know? So, uh, <laughs> sure. Well, I think it's one of the reasons I really like the uh, what you do with the podcast is that you essentially just talk to people who would you like to talk to anyway in a coffee shop, on a conference call, wherever, and you just record it in a completely natural, organic, and relaxed way, and you release it online. So it's it's really nice. It's really simple. And I think it could can improve the community tremendously. Well, thanks. Uh, I'm glad that you're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, that's, and my goal is also give some value. And we are going into that territory when people can learn a certain you know, uh, skills, can learn certain uh, things what other people do. And uh, mm-hmm. that's my follow-up question is, you know, you guys, except that fancy design, except the great articles and great people you uh, put into the magazine, you did a very fast success. I mean, some magazines would dream about this. I mean, seriously, you are two years old. English edition is even younger than that. And you are all over the world. You have the best coffee professionals in your magazine. How did you do it? How did you spread the word? Sometimes I, I ask myself the same question. No, I have to ask you this question. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Like we we released the first issue in in April last year, so it's technically we're, we're like one and a half year long, one and a half year old. And the I had a I didn't have a, a business background because I'm still pretty young. I had a, just a university background, but I'm, I was really I was all the time pretty much into into marketing and business. So I. I was looking at things from a more strategic and marketing point of view. So I was, at the beginning, I was trying to figure out like what could be the most important steps for us in terms of like, developing the, the business model and the strategy and everything. And, of course, the, the first place goes to, uh, to the content and to the product itself. So we knew that the magazine has to be meaningful. It has to be well thought. And especially when it's, when it's print and you you essentially are killing trees because you publish stuff on paper. You have to be 100%, 200% sure that these things deserve to be printed on paper because some trees already died for you. So re- you really need to be picky. What do you print and what do you publish and what do you send out to the world? So we knew that the product has to come first. Uh, and this, the success will hopefully follow. But the, um, like, what could be my advice, or like, what do I think was the was the most important thing is the is try to be a part of the like to, to identify who are the what are like, sort of leaders of the community that you are going into. If it could be specialty coffee, it could be spirit industry, wine industry, whatever. Just identify who are the most important or most influential people that you want to learn from you want to work with and because these people are like tend to have obviously much much bigger communities around them as as you are because you're just starting your project so for like for example when we when we released the first issue we knew that we have to connect ourselves with uh, with someone who's already well established in the industry and that could, that could help us, even just the name of that person or that company can help us to, to get a credit, to get credibility in the, in the industry. So that's why when we, were, when we were about to release the first English issue, I, I knew that it has to be in a place that has a very, very big, like very big amount of people from the coffee industry on the one place. So immediately Berlin came to my mind. So we knew that we probably should release the first issue with a party in Berlin. So I, I just approached Rolf from, from the barn 
well-established Berlin-based roster. And hey, we are just about to release this kind of magazine. It looks this cool. And yeah, we have, yeah, we almost have no money. We have absolutely zero experiences. We just kind of like it and we think it's going to be cool. And would you like to help us with that? And can we do a party in your place? So we ended up with just having a great, <laughs> amazing and a very long party in the roastery in Berlin. They invited so many press people, so many industry people. And like since just the name of the roaster helped us a lot, like this this kind of collaboration, because all the guests that, that came to the party, they they told to themselves that, well, if if this brand decided to work with this magazine, that means that that magazine is probably not that stupid, because otherwise this brand wouldn't work with them. So I would I would probably trust in that product, and I will give it a try. So you mean, if I would translate this into the, let's say, roasters or uh, cafes mm -hmm. world, uh, influencers would be something you would advise them to kind of focus on. So people who are kind of famous and can they take their product? Because obviously, uh, if I have a small roaster here and I go to a Verve or a Rituals or Blue Bottle, they will not, you know, help me, but maybe... Uh, actor or something like that, or I don't know, a, a famous band, or how how could we translate this into the uh, marketing of a of a cafe or marketing of a coffee roasting place? I would say identifying and finding the indie influencers and develop, developing meaningful collaboration could be could be the term or the definition. And I think even you know even like the the most important people in in the industry, like the the most famous one, the, the celebrities, you have to keep in mind that they're they're just they're just people. They are completely normal, regular people with talent, with skill and with extreme amount of knowledge. But when you're just open with what you're planning to do and when the product or the service you're just about to start makes sense for them, there is no reason why shouldn't they like, give you a chance if, if they like what you do. So you just have to stand your ground and just come to say hello to them and approach that approach them with saying that we are just about to do this thing. Would you like to help us or can we do this with you? Of course, you can come to them and ask for a million dollars. That's it's not easy. But uh, in general, when it's a small thing, even like the most successful people in the industry are like tend to be the most, yeah. It's, maybe sometimes it's not the case, but uh, the the most humble ones, the most like, accessible ones. So like, just don't be afraid to when you when you are honest with with your product and when you truly believe in what you do, like you shouldn't be afraid to come to these all these celebrities and all these people and just try to convince them to do something with you. So yeah, I would I would suggest that like to uh, to share to share. What you do with as many good people or as many people you look up to, that are your that are your people like there are people that you like to learn from. Mm -hmm. That you sh you should approach them as soon as possible. Like why why to lose time? Yeah, I agree. I mean, my grandfather used to say, "Do not ask, do not get." Right, and so if if you are not assertive enough to yeah. go there and tell them that this is what you offering it is what you want it's not going to happen yep. they will not guess what you want yeah exactly yeah and but you know there's one thing which is kind of hard to deal with because mm -hmm. i realized this also like maybe four years ago uh it's a very american way by the way uh, we europeans are mm -hmm. much more settled but the american ways is really just go out there and ask for it uh yep. and you can even see that you know if people ask for advice you know on facebook from your own roasting or businesses whatever they, it's yep. usually Americans who do that without any blunt. And when somebody else from Central America or uh, Europe approaches me, there is usually this kind of little dance before that, you know, like, oh, how mm -hmm. are you? So anyhow, the point is that one thing which for me is very hard to deal with when I ask is the nose, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's something which is, you have to realize it's not personal. This is for me what I always say myself. If I get a no, right. it's not personal. It's maybe that the guy is busy, is very, you know, occupied yep. or is not interested in it. And that's okay because if they are not interested in that, 
that's you don't want to force them you know to be part yep. of that project yeah that's that's really important and i learned this the hard way as well uh, do you have some example you want to share in in general like i was i was also taking all these reactions very personally that oh hey, that person probably think i'm stupid that person probably think thinks i'm an idiot they they hate our product whatever but they just didn't reply to the email because they were on a vacation or because they didn't have the time. Like, it's natural that sometimes you need to follow up three times. It's natural that sometimes someone tells you no at a conference, but it's it's nothing against you. Like, when you come back to them with a, an updated product or whatever else, you can begin the relationship all over again. So it's yeah, I was I was also very yeah. I know how to describe that, but I, I had the same experience as, as, as you have. One thing what you do very well with a magazine is, what I notice is every issue woes me with something. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I get a new issue, I go like, oh, wow. Because, you know, it's, okay, so it's very easy to come up with an awesome product and keep it that way. And there's nothing wrong yep. with that, okay? But if you can do this, that you have a product, an issue next one, which is much better than the other one, and issue another one, which is, and again, trumps you with either the people who write for it, or either with, you know, the inserts, or a graphic design, you name it, that's the mm-hmm. best kind of product you can have. Look at Apple, right? It's the best kind of yep. model. But I did not know in yep. magazine industry it is possible. So you managed to do it for a few times now. How can you keep it up? Well, the- it's very, it's very challenging and it's very demanding, obviously. Uh, I would, as you said, it's all, it all comes down to, um, to the people you work with. When you are willing to, as a team, when you're willing to improve and to learn from your mistakes and not to, not to shake your hands every Friday that, oh, like, you again did an awesome job, which is, of course, important to say to yourself, you can't be that hard on you on yourself. But uh, when you're willing to say that, oh well, this this thing I can do better next time. This thing I could be I could do better next time, and ask for advice. Constantly ask for advice from 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 the people around you and for critique. It's it is possible, and it's there are so many interesting people in the in this fun little industry we work in. And we knew from the beginning that we just can't write. We can't build the concept around just writing about different brewing methods or like writing about different espresso machines because there is a whole bunch of people covering that, mm-hmm. and there is a whole bunch of topics to um, to cover, but it has its limits. So like at some point we will run out of content. So we decided to um, to, to change the focus on stories and people, not on the events or products or methods and when you look around you it's like you live in bay area like you travel a lot there's just so many amazing and inspirational people in in the industry that like you can you can have a as a guest writer you can have a person to make an interview with in every issue from different part of the world and it's a it's just a bottomless source of inspiration so it was essential for us to to establish a team of of great like coffee writer coffee writers, but in the same time of great uh, professional journalists, and then to like keep identifying the topics that are important now or that are hyped now, but also they could be interesting or could be just equally important in in the next couple of months or even two years from from this issue, because since we are since we are publishing the, the magazine in print, and it's a, so to say, quite expensive print, we want for the magazine to last on the shelf for for a certain period of time. So we, we don't want the standards to be a, another toilet reading. So it has to be all the, all the articles inside, all the people we work with, in every, every issue, it has to be better and better or equally, equally great. So it's so you keep the magazine on the shelf, and when you open it two years after after you bought it, it makes exactly the same sense as you were reading that two years ago. So it was 
Yep. No, it's, it's amazing what you're saying. I, I have two things to add. One about the, the longevity of the magazine is totally true. Um, I have to say that at Green Plantation, uh, we did not get into publications and magazines because well, we don't sell them. We sell coffee and some brewing methods because mm-hmm. we, we don't have enough volume so we can uh, kind of our, you know, sell them in time so they don't get old. But in your case, we are very happy to do that because, you know, they are like limitless almost, you know, so they, you can sell the, all these shoes That's the idea. Yep. in two years. Yep. And not only that, but we're actually keeping, and here's a secret, Peter will kill me to uh, reveal this, we're actually keeping some of your old issues and we're going to do auctions when the time is right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's That's fun, great. you know, we just, we want to do a fun with that. So we will think how to kind of spin it. Maybe we do it as a charity or something like we want to have fun with that, like, like always. Another thing what you said is about the brewing methods, man, you are saying this is so important because, and this is a good advice for everyone who is thinking to start the blogs or thinking to start making videos for their businesses, coffee businesses. I have to Mm -hmm. say there was a time when these brewing videos were very important. They were really, really cool. They were, uh, the consumers, had to go through them. And that's, that was the time. Now mm-hmm. we have 1 million of them and yep. it's, it's too much. It's like just, it's just another video. If you want to do something, do something what other people don't do, find a brewing method, which don't exist. If you really need to do brewing methods, but actually you should find something different. And I know it's hard. Yep. It's always hard to find something that doesn't exist. It requires a very hard thing to do thinking you know i don't know is there if you invest in a in a filming mm-hmm. and you invest money and energy do something which doesn't exist and there's so many yep. awesome things you can do there's so many awesome things you can do you know so i totally agree with you that and and your magazine is different that's why i love to read it when you said when you said the uh, like wowing the the audience and wowing the customers there was one thing i i realized only recently that like we released the first issue like one and a half years ago, and it was it was kind of hype at the beginning. Like the we got a lot of lot of coverage, a lot of people were were asking about it. So it was a it was a good and successful start. And I realized that recently I've, I've been to I've been to New York a few weeks ago to the, the New York festival. And when when I was talking to people, like it wasn't the, the reactions to the magazine wasn't like at the beginning in a way that, oh, this is so amazing. I'm so impressed. I'm so happy to have you. It was like, okay, that's good. And it was, I, I felt strange at the beginning. Like, did we do something wrong or is it, is it getting worse? And then I realized, like, someone told me that we just, some, some people just started to kind of accept us as a strong part of the community and the the quality we brought with the content, which like, is made by all the awesome people we work with, like they are all these people in the industry, they started to consider that as the standard. So they expect to be as awesome as it was before. So they don't need to like to say it's awesome all the time because it's that's how it should be because that's that should be the standard. So that's that, I think that's a that's a good sign. So I was really happy to to realize that. Yeah, and I, that's why I said it. You have a very tough job to keep it up, and not only keep it up, but what I said, what I noticed that you're always a little bit better, or in some yep. cases, much better. Like this latest Definitely. insert with these, uh, <clears throat> I have it in front of me with this uh, roasting little log. You know, I'm a roaster with hearts. It's pretty <laughs> awesome for home roasters. It's like gold, you know, it's fun. That's, that's nice. Yeah, thank you. All right, so. Let's go back to the roasters because the roasters want to know about yep. more about roasting. So you travel a lot, like really a lot. You meet a lot of people. You mm-hmm. meet the best roasters and you meet small roasters. So what do you think, what differentiates the star roaster from, let's say, an ordinary roaster? That's a, that's a good question. I, I have say, only good questions, man. Well, I can see that. <laughs> well, I would, I would say it's the... The point number one is the absolute non-negotiable consistency and quality. Like to keep the same, it's exactly the same conversation we had two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Like to to bring 
equally consistent and equally great coffee with every order. You just can't roast the coffee, the same coffee like this, and then two months after that, just completely change your roast profile so the coffee is completely different or it, it gets worse. So the consistency, like absolute consistency is, is the key for me at least. And I don't know, then, then it could be the desire to be the best or at least on the, on the local level and to, impro- to, to improve with every, every new badge you roast. It's like not just to say to yourself, okay, well, I have eight customers or 10 big customers in my area, so that's, that's enough for me. So I'll keep it like this, so I don't need to improve, I don't need to innovate, I don't need to think about like what process should I change or what should I do differently. And that's, that's the point where all the, like, where the majority of the little roasters will stop, will stop improving because they just think they don't have to because they're, they're good enough. They don't look up to like, the, the good ones. So we have the desire to still be the best and the desire to not to be satisfi- satisfied at, at any point. Yeah, these, these could be, I guess. What, what do you think? You no, know, I had different approaches when I was three years younger and today, I think. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because I started a first roasting company, where actually we started Green Plantation, let's say, uh, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started my business, roasting business here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And we are living different times. But I remember when we started Green Plantation, that was the time when a passion was the thing which drove the company. Our yep. main differentiation between any other Slovak roaster or Czechoslovak, well, in Czechoslovak, it's, let's take that separate because it's Double Shot and other uh, cool brands. But at least in Slovakia was that we did it for fun. Yeah, I mean... We did it for fun. We did it as uh, something we really believed in. And yeah, I was the guy who was nasty on social media. I said, everyone, you know, screw you. If you don't like our coffee, if you criticize us, screw you. And I was loved about that, which in a retrospective, I kind of, uh, I'm sorry about, because I think yep. that you don't have to do that in order to succeed. What I should supposed to do is more give that energy as extra support to the people who believed in green plantation. And maybe mm-hmm. we should have made more videos. Maybe we should have issued some documents or books. You name it. That energy was yep. wrongly spent. And that's my lesson. You know, I learned. And so we, we built this awesome brand. And I think that, you know, Green Plantation today is a recognizable brand in Slovakia and coffee. And it's mm-hmm. still passion. And that's every time I do any other business. And I say, oh, Green Plantation has to go on side now because I'm doing the big business with... Uh, either the coffee courses or either the, you know, Unleash, the U.S. brand, I've always come back to that because mm-hmm. it's just pure fun. And I yep. cannot explain that, but it's just worked and we are happy and we're still having fun and we, we, we invest all our money, what we earn, not to our new cars or to uh, buy vacation. We invest it back in a company in the form of new roasters. We, just bought, we are just buying a house, for heaven's sake, with a little garden because that's what we want. We want to have this local showroom and doing rubbish like that because it's business-wise doesn't make sense but as you said before if you do something for passion if you do something with high quality the money will follow and it does follow but slowly because it's a small market now that was five years ago today i see that the market is really saturated with these companies who started like if you tell me berlin or germany i think barn and uh, five elephants Right? Is it five elephants? Mm-hmm. If you know, you tell me UK, I think of Square Miles and has been. And there's every country, every area has these first guys, right? Mm-hmm. So how can a new company differentiate themselves? How they, if you do the same passion, of course you have to have a passion. There's no doubt about it. But I think today you have to be a business savvy. You have to because when you said that you started in Slovakia, so you can kind of adjust your errors. I totally agree. It's a small market and it's a very forgiving market because starting yep. for us in the United States would be a totally different game. Totally different game, you know. So we had a lot of time until we had the first competition. We had like three years until the first real competition came up and we were like, oh, we had time to kind of adjust. We have time to play. Today it's not the case. Today you have to know what you're doing, you know. So today I think that it's very important that you are business savvy and 
yes, you have the passion, but you also have very strong business skills. So that's my opinion. Gotcha. By the well, way, what's yeah. more important for you? Is it the quality of the coffee or the brand? I would say, I would say the quality of the brand. Oh, okay. It's like, it, it depends, of course. It depends if, if, it, if this is about the roaster or like about the, the brand and coffee in general. But the, uh, the integrity and the consistency of a brand, the way how the, the brand operates internally and externally, the way how the brand, how the people in the brand approach the uh, their work, their services, how they how they talk to their customers, how they develop an innovative product. Because the brand, like it has a whole bunch of of elements that create the brand, like the, the value, the, the vision, the the product, the communication. So like all these things have to be equally consistent. Like you can you can have amazing product, but when you treat your customers like shit, no one will buy your perfect product. And the other way around as well, like when you have bad product and you're really nice on social media, like all these people will realize in a few weeks that you have a bad product and no no one will buy from you anymore. So these things have to be very, very consistent, all of them. You just have to, you just have to have the same, same measurements for standard for when you have a coffee shop, you can have a great coffee, you can have a, an amazing barista, very skilled and that treats the customers nicely, but you just can't have dirty machine or dirty toilets. Like whether you have a certain level of quality, but whether you have a certain level of standards, or you don't. There is zero or one. There's no no other way around. Yeah, I, I noticed the same. Um, and actually I think that if you build a good brand, and not only about you know. Obviously, the the, the toilets is a, a is an extreme case. But if mm-hmm. you don't care about your brand, and you have to, you have to look very very professional in this coffee world. Uh, so if you if you have an amazing coffee, and you let's say your logo or your presentation suck, yep. you will lose. And that's a little bit saddens me because I always, because I'm the guy who again. Not very business savvy. By today, hopefully, yes. But when I started, I was more into that. Oh, the quality of coffee is the only thing which will matter. And yep. it's it's not a good strategy. I mean, quality of coffee is very important. But if you neglect your brand, like we did in Green Plantation for three years, we did not have a logo because I said, it's not the logo which is important. It's not us. It's the farmer. Well, it sounds very poetic. But it's a biggest BS I've ever in my life when it comes to being yep. business savvy and making my company succeed. So I remember, I remember that J- James Hoffman said it a few months ago on one one event in Prague that he can see that in London and there is a there's a lots of new roasters, lots of new espresso bars and brew bars opening up every day, every week, but also closing down every day and every week, and. They were like, they were curious to figure out like what could be the reason of like, of of the rapid expansion of, of many new places, and in the same time of the massive failure of of all of these or like many of these new ventures, and one of them mainly in, in relations to uh, like to baristas starting to open up their own cafes is that they were all focusing on the perfect espresso, like the perfect espresso, and it. And it came to a stage or it came to a point where they had the whole bunch of first customers. They had the, the first customer that came the first day and said, this is the best espresso I've ever had. Like, this is the best espresso in London I've ever had. And it made them so happy that, oh, do you know that? Like, there was a guy that came to my shop on the day one and he told me that it was the best coffee he ever had. So that means we're good. But then two weeks after that, like James said that from from the wholesaler point of view that they were like, supplying the shops with coffee. And one of them, like when, when James, when, when he came back to the shop, the same shop owner told him that, well, you, you know, you remember the, the guy that I told you that came the day one and told me it was the best coffee he ever had. Well, that guy, he, he never came back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially in, in, in such saturated markets as the Bay area or Berlin or London, you just having good coffee is not enough because 
it is expected to have it is expected from you to have perfect coffee yeah so like just having a awesome espresso or awesome flat white is not enough for like people to change their habits of commuting to work or like going away from town over the weekends so you have to you have to give them a much more added value to the whole to the whole experience. You have to give give them the whole package, so they are willing to change their their daily habits. So, especially in the saturated markets, like having just a good product is not enough because that's like having the passion and having a great product. That's that that should be the normal way. Like everyone is expecting that. Yeah, but there was a time when we didn't have that. Yep. And yep. we are lucky when we started then because we could wow. The customers like yeah. the implantation did with a coffee today. When I start with Unleashed, it's much harder to wow because there is so many awesome companies out there. And you are totally right. I mean, I always say, you know, because this podcast is for coffee roasters and people who own cafes, and you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to find ways how to kind of start or be better at it what we do. And one thing which I mm-hmm. always say, and it's true, you know, you cannot deny, nobody can deny it, is you have to be different than anyone else not just with a logo not just with a different font on your uh, sign shop sign or a different roaster you have to really offer something which is missing or you have to talk to a group of people which you know uh, are different than the the classical you know community like for example when we start I would never start a coffee roasting company in the Bay Area by the way that would be my dream but since I moved here in 2010 I realized that this is a, a saturated market, and B, everybody who is a player here, they're amazing. They're just very, very cool. They're doing an amazing yep. job. So who am I? You know, to, how can I compete with that? It's like, you know, so humbly I started to train roasters <laughs> instead. Uh, but Perfect. No, yeah, Perfect. But, but today I started the Unleashed Coffee, the, the, uh, the roaster, because I saw something which may, may be the future of the coffee. Maybe not, but maybe. And that's when a farmer is involved, not you know only to, in direct trade, not only in fair trade, but actually is the owner of the company which sells the coffee. And for me, that that's impressive, yep. fascinating. And I think that this can be the solution for the future future of the coffee farming because people are like oh coffee farms, yeah, you know direct trade, you know is helping them today. But you know what, they guys also have dreams. You know, many of these coffee farms are not in Ethiopia. They are in Brazil. They are in Colombia, where yep. actually people starting to earn serious money. Panama, right? So these people, yep. you know, if they have a smaller farms, especially the new new generations, they don't want to be farmers. There is no money in it. They want to, you know, be the next, you know, uh, Steve Jobs, or then, you know, they want to build the next Microsoft. They go to the city and work there, so they abandon these farms. The one way how to do that and kind of satisfy their need to grow is making them part of the you know, like a roasting companies. And that's what I saw with Anish Coffee. And it's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. So that's, if you have ideas like that, you know, that's great. But if you are going to open another third wave company, you, you're going to have a very tough time, I think. Well, to put the uh, electronic music in the background, you have Nordic architecture inside and barista with a, with a mustache and tattoos. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, Everyone does that today, so it's that's not enough. Sure, and as you said, like the Unleashed Coffee is for me a perfect example because it is high quality product. It is a project with a social impact, and it is an interesting and very well executed idea from the marketing perspective, which is which is unique. So that was that, that, that's a good example, actually. Oh, thanks. And by the way, one question that I get from the farmers is that, okay, but we want to do it, but not everybody lives in a Bay Area because William does live in a Bay Area. I said, no, but if you team up with a roaster and uh, you really make a company together because it's very easy to make LLCs, it's very easy to make you know LTDs in Great Britain. If you team up with a roaster and you use a co-roasting place, which I think it's a new trend in the coffee industry, co-roasting where you can rent roaster time, Yep. You're in game and you can offer your coffees as a very unique thing. You control the quality from the farm to the consumer. You're selling it directly from the farmer. So farmer is 50% owner of the company. Especially today when you have like so much technology available and it's 
it's way way easier to to work with people on the opposite side of the planet mm -hmm. than it was before. Yes. So yeah, that's correct. That's how green plantation works. I mean, California, <laughs> Peter Slovakia, and we use Facebook, we use chat, we use everything. You know, and it's it's so easy. You're right. It's so easy. Like I had a Mister Box uh, podcast uh, not long ago, and the guys are all over the place. They they don't have office. Yep. Neither has Unleash Coffee when they ask us, oh, where are you from? I said, well, we don't really have an office. You know, I have office in my house. Uh, William has office in his house. And we roast in Berkeley in a co-roasting place because they have a high-tech equipment, which we would not be able yep. to afford even if we buy some, you know, old probat or whatever. I mean, roasting on Loring's, wow. So yep. we can rent it for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, cool. My last question uh, before I let yeah. you go is, uh, you guys, uh, how do you guys make money? Uh, how can people help you? Uh, do you do it through advertising? Because I don't see any like very concrete advertising in standard. So if somebody wants to help you out, guys, how they can do so? So uh, essentially, the the business model is is based on uh, on two main parts. The, the the first part is the actual sale of the magazine. Since we decided to uh, to have it printed on a good paper and good quality content inside like we are not giving away the magazine for free so we get the revenue from actually selling the copies which brings value to uh, to the partners we work with or to the sponsors we work with because they they realize that when we have for instance 10,000 customers per issue those are not equally the same 10,000 customers that would get the magazine for free like when when someone is willing to uh, like to pay for four issues like fifty bucks per year in advance, that means that that person trusts the brand or trusts the magazine that much that they're willing to uh, like pay in advance and they, they trust the brand that they will bring them and give them the good content, even though they they have no idea what's going to be in the next in the next issues, but they just trust it's going to be good. So that means. The, the brands or the partners we work with, they also realize that when we decide to connect with them or when they would be involved, like these same people will say to themselves that, okay, so when this magazine decided to, to work with this espresso brand or this roasting company, that means that they truly believe in what they do. So it, it was done on purpose. So we do cooperate with brands, all, with, with brands, although in a not very uh, like I don't want to say cheap advertising. Like we don't we don't have uh, a classic colorful PDF advertisements inside. That like someone a client sends us a PDF and we just paste it inside without even thinking like how does it look like or what is it. So we only have like for one for in, for one issue one sponsor exclusively. Like the company would fully believe in and we we feature as. As, as a single company that we connected with as a, on, on subscale. And then we have, since we have five content chapters, we have five different partners for, for those chapters. Mm -hmm. So, and that's about it. And it's just, just the companies we, like, we truly stand behind and we really trust into. And it's, the, like, the, the feedback was good so far. Like, we are sold out with sponsorships for 2017, which is great. Nice. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. And so we still have a lot of partnerships, positions free, especially for the, for the language versions. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's important to, to show the audience that even though when you decide to work with the brand, you shouldn't try to hide them and say that, well, you know, they are a corporate, but they give us the money. So just try to hide them somewhere at the end of the magazine so no one will notice. I think that's not a healthy and sustainable way it all it all comes down to like to the brand connections so you should connect yourself like-minded people and like-minded companies hmm. so if you are from if somebody if the listener is from russia japan they should write to mm -hmm. right now because uh yes, China, please. yeah because they <laughs> might you might sell out like to, for me like selling out 2017 uh wow that's really fascinating man congrats that's really cool in English yes. edition, right? So if they want to do it in a language editions, they should write you, give me an email, and I'll put it yep. in the show notes how they can contact you. 
And maybe they want to distribute you guys, right? So that would be also kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah sure. All right. Perfect. Thank you for your time, Michal. It was truly awesome. Thank you, Valerian. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Yep. Well, enjoyment on my side. It's uh, really awesome to spend Friday with you, at least through Skype, if nothing else. But hopefully we'll meet soon. Yeah, we have to get some, some good wine together sometime very soon. I love wine. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast with Michal Mochan from Standard Magazine. I hope you got inspired the same way as I did. And you can implement some of this wisdom into your businesses or into your life. Do not forget, if you have any questions, uh, Michal is in our Facebook group, Coffee is Me. So come and join us and you can ask him or ask anyone else a question. My very good friend and coffee fanatic Michel Broad is doing an amazing job in the group, keeping it nice and clean. Just a small reminder, if you think that this podcast is worth something, just go to coffees.me website and hit the donation link and you can invite me for a virtual glass of wine. Because as you heard from this podcast, I do like wine. All right, guys, that's it for today. Have a great time, have a great coffee and read Standard Mac. <laughs> All right. Bye.